You are listening to a sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com slash sermons. Our study tonight in Galatians 6, beginning in verse 14, a study we've entitled the second part of the handwritten recap. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote in his own hand uh, some final words, and he recapped a few things. He reviewed a few things of great importance to uh, the brethren and, and words that would give them their final encouragements. So he said, with, see with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. And then he talked about these uh, those who were troubling the brethren, these Judaizers, and he revealed by inspiration the, the way of their heart and the thing that was truly inside them uh, with an insight that we can't know into other people Uh, We get to know them by their fruits. Uh, But the Apostle Paul, uh, through the Spirit, uh, was able to reveal their hearts. He said that, and this is terrible, they desire to make a good showing in the flesh and try to compel you to be circumcised, simply that they may not be persecuted for for the cross of Christ. For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves, but they desire to have you circumcised so they may boast in your flesh. So we find that they were avoiding some hard truths in Jesus Christ and the Messiah, and they were making the wrong boast. But the Apostle Paul will now tell them there's only one boast to make. There's only one place to set your confidence. There's only one place that's worthy of your trust unto salvation. So verse 14, but may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And those who will walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear in my body the brand marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. So we end on the positive here. Uh, We end on the uh, place of uh, proper boasting, the place of confidence, the place of importance, the things of only the Lord Jesus Christ. May it never be that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus. So nothing of the flesh, nothing of the law, uh, nothing of the ways of men, but the boast, uh, and by boast, I really think he means confidence or trust, which is a very good definition, working definition of us, of faith is only in the cross, only in the work of Jesus Christ. Of course, there's a number of passages where uh, the cross stands for the gospel, uh, stands for the entirety of the work of Christ. But this is the place of boasting, not in the things of men. Uh, From the Old Testament, the Psalms, some boast in chariots and some in horses. But we will boast in the name of the Lord, our God. Or another Psalm, that was Psalm 20. Psalm 34, my soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. And so in humility, we boast in another. We boast in the Lord. Uh, The Apostle Paul made a long section, long argument on this very topic to the Corinthians. 
And we'll read that because he can make the argument better than I can re- recap it and summarize it. 1 Corinthians 1.22 beginning, For indeed the Jews ask for signs, and the Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jew and Greek, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brethren. There were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of this world to shame the things which are strong, and the base things of the world, and the despised God has chosen, and the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no no man may boast before God. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, so that it is written, Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so Paul says, for those who follow this way, for those who are called, he had said, 1 Corinthians 1, 24, for the called, uh, the boast is in the Lord. It's not about what you know. It's not about who you are. Uh, It's not about uh, an ethnic uh, consideration. Uh, And so it's not about anything of this world. Uh, As one fellow summarized it, he said, it's not about your race, your place, or your face. Uh, None of those conditions matter, except that you are called of God. You know the calling of God. By his doing, you're in Christ. By his doing, Christ becomes for us righteousness, sanctification, and wisdom. So Paul, that's the long version, 1 Corinthians. The short version is, I'll just boast in the cross, and I'll boast in nothing else. And that construction of uh, don't, uh, that God sets us things, the things of the wisdom, God sets uh, aside the things of the flesh, God sets aside all of these things so that we only boast in the Lord. That's a quote from and a similar construction to what the prophet Jeremiah taught. The prophet Jeremiah taught, Jeremiah 9 23, thus says the Lord, Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast of his might, and let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things, declares the Lord. And so here is the things that are important. Here are the things uh, that matter being faithful to God, knowing God. And so Paul says, I'll boast only in the cross, through which he says, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And so uh, through the cross, I've been cut off from the world, but also the world's been cut off from me. He says, this connection has been terminated at both ends, me to the world and the world to me. There's nothing in the world for me and I've got nothing that I in the world that I want except for Christ. As Paul explained to the Philippians, he had said, Philippians 3, 8, and 9, I count all things to be loss 
in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, from whom or for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. And he wasn't sad about that. He wasn't angry about that. He said, I count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. So the righteousness of God on the basis of faith, that's the heart of the gospel. And that's what Paul's reminding these brethren of in his handwritten recap. I boast only in the cross. I don't care about the world. I'm dead to it. It's dead to me. Of course, he'd already said this back in chapter 2, Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and delivered himself up for me. So there again, the cross, the, the great work of Christ, the, the proof uh, and, and epitome and, and uh, supreme act of God's love, that here one died for us so that he might be our righteousness, our sanctification, our redemption, and our hope. So because of that, we are dead to the world. And it says, oh, Christ is living in us. Galatians 5.24, just before the works of the flesh were listed, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so we're crucified with Christ to this world. As he died in this world, we die to this world. And we make him, his life, uh, his offering, uh, his uh, blessing, his direction, uh, the things that are in him, we make that the very hope and center of our lives. This is the thing in which our heart trusts. It's the thing in which we lean upon. It's the thing which centers our understanding of the world. It's what is our organizing principle. It is our reason deiteur. It's the central thing. It's everything to all of us. So if we follow that, we're going to be a new thing. We're going to be this new uh, person, uh, this new uh, creation in Christ. So we're dead to the world in Romans 6 as we were baptized uh, into Christ. We rise to walk in newness of life. In the Corinthian letter, all things are made new. And so we're a new creature. So here it is in verse 15, the same teaching in these words. For neither is circumcision anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. So again, the things of old, the, the things of your place, of your race, of your face, those things, whatever your conditions were, they are now gone. So circumcision or uncircumcision. This was the lens through which the Jews had viewed the world. This was the lens through which the religion that was dedicated to Jehovah was presented for generations uh, to uh, mankind, that the law uh, was uh, for the Jews and God was making special work and effort through them. Uh, they were God's chosen and special people. Of course, we know they sort of uh, made a muck of that. Uh, they caused people to blaspheme because of their limited understanding of that and their bad behavior based on arrogance, uh, based on that. Uh, but yet and still, uh, people recognizing the truth of God in his word of the Old Testament, uh, they became proselyte. They, they joined the Jews. We find that in the book of Esther at other times. Uh, people uh, had 
they would come to the synagogues, and even though they had to sit in the back, uh, they'd still listen as Gentiles. And it was a big thing uh, that some were circumcised and some were not. And that was one of the main organizing principles of religious life before Christ, but not now. Now that Christ has come, and the offering of Christ is for all, and Christ has sent through the apostles to go gather the other sheep uh, that were not of this fold, but he'd bring them all and they'd be one flock under one shepherd. Now, one flock, one shepherd in this new world. It didn't matter uh, whether uh, you know one had been a Jew or a Gentile or barbarian or a Scythian, uh, whether one had been a murderer or a thief or a gentleman or a scoundrel, uh, a man or a lady, uh, or you know, well, the corruptions of the ancient Greek world, some kind of lady man, none of that mattered. If they repented and came to Christ in faith, there, nothing mattered except now you're the new creation. Because as it turns out, both the Jew and the Greek were dead in their sins, that all had sinned, Jew and Greek, and fallen short of the glory of God. And they all needed uh, that salvation that was offered only in Christ. Ephesians 2 explains it this way. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. And the law didn't get you out of that. And so uh, the book of Galatians had said that it, the law shut all men up under sin. Those who were under the law in some ways were more condemned than those not under the law because they had the knowledge of God and they had the direct instruction of God. And yet they violated it and they didn't follow and trust after God. And so you were dead in your sins and trespasses in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that's now working in the sons of disobedience. And among them, we too formerly walked in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. There's the depressing situation. The, the, your situation outside of Christ and before Christ, it is much worse than you thought it was. It was terrible. And those who came to recognize it realized the good news was oh so good because the situation was oh so bad. And as Paul would say to the Corinthians again, such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. And so there's the new creation. There's the new man. In the book of Ephesians, he took breaking down the barrier, the dividing wall. He took both the sinners from the law and the sinners from outside the law. He redeemed them all and he made them into one new man. And he put them into one body, his church, and made them new. So again, Romans 6, as we made brief mention, but now we'll read. Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we who have been buried with him through baptism into death, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, and how much does Paul talk about being crucified with Christ? We're united with him in his death. And we that's where we change our mind and we repent of the things of this world. And we make the change. If we become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we'll also be in the likeness of his resurrection. And so the old man, the dead man, was buried, put in the watery grave. The old man was buried as Christ was buried. And Christ raised to walk in newness of life in the resurrection. Certainly we also, in the likeness of the resurrection, knowing that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away, that we should no longer be slaves 
to sin. And so now we're this new creature, not slaves to sin, but slaves of righteousness, slaves of truth, slaves of obedience, slaves and servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here is this great blessing. And so, of course, we'd be crucified to the world. What was in the world? Sin, death, uh, maliciousness, uh, bad fruit, bad results, uh, idolatry, enmity with God, enmity with man, not knowing who our creator was, not following after him and his glory in any way. But now we can do that. And so, if you walk by this rule, verse 16, for those now who walk by this rule, for you is peace and mercy, and in a verse or two, we're going to find also grace. Verse 16, for those of you who walk by this rule, so those who walk in Christ, those who walk by faith, those who walk in the way of the Lord, trusting in him, those who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them. Peace and mercy be upon them. Uh, so uh, how do we have this? By trust in the Lord. Jeremiah said this, Jeremiah seventeen seven beginning, Jeremiah seventeen seven. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. So the true, he puts his true and full confidence in the Lord. He trusts in the Lord. His trust is the Lord. That sounds like a redundancy, but it's not quite. Whose trust is in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. This is that full dependence, that full giving over to the way and will of God to let him direct us, and we make him our confidence, or again, going back to the earlier statement, we make him our boast. Jeremiah 17 again, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in the year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. That's the righteous man. You have to put your trust in him. You can't direct your steps. Jeremiah had said a few chapters earlier because Jeremiah 17, 9, this is what we step into. if We don't follow this rule. If we don't put our trust in the Lord, because verse 9 says, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? So there's, there's the rule of, of the walk in Christ, the trust in God. And then there's the stepping out on your own. One is a tree planted by the waters. You have put your trust, you have put your understanding you have put over guidance for the walk of life in the Lord's hands. And you let the Lord guide you. And so that was the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we find out that guidance is revealed through the uh, work and uh, life of Jesus Christ. First uh, Peter 2, he gave us an example that we should follow in his steps. Again, Jeremiah, you can't. <laughs> your step, the ways of your steps are not in yourself. The ways of life are not in you. What's in you? a deceitful and desperately sick heart. That's what's in you. But in the Lord, in the Lord is guidance, and in the Lord is direction. In the Lord is the rule and way and walk of life. Uh, we sing this in the hymn, Jesus, my God, I know his name. His name is all my trust. Nor will he put my soul to shame, nor let my hope be lost. 
Why do we have those blessings? I know his name, and his name is all I trust, which is an equivalent way of saying, I will boast only in the Lord. That's what it means then to walk by this rule, walking by faith, letting him and his word guide us in the way. So Psalm 40, how blessed is the man who has made the Lord his trust and has not turned to the proud, nor those who lapse into falsehood. So in in this passage, there's those who walk by this rule, what are they going to get? Peace and mercy. In the Old Testament, there's the trust in the Lord, not turning to pride and not turning to falsehood. Because what are we going to go to if we don't trust in the Lord? Pride and falsehood every time. As Jeremiah said, your heart is deceitful above all else. Your heart will tell you all kinds of things. It'll tell you the Lord only wants you to be happy. And so it'll just people justify immorality. It'll tell you, oh yeah, that's fine. You should do this right now because this will be good for you. This will feel good. That's the devil's lies. And our heart follows the devil's lies because it's deceitful above all else. It is desperately sick. Every time you talk about the condition of this world, and uh, just today I was talking to somebody, and they were talking about a book that uh, had been recommended to them. And they, they talked about how it was a difficult read because it was explaining about just perverse sins. I don't even want to give the clinical name for the perverse sins and the terrible consequences it caused. And, and this person said to me, how can people do that? How can people do that? And, well, there's only one answer. Uh, Jeremiah uh, 17.9. The heart is deceitful above all else is desperately sick. Or, or you can walk in the rule of the Lord. You can walk by trust. You can walk by faith. You can follow this rule. And what if you follow this rule? Verse 16 continues, peace and mercy be upon them. So the peace of God, the mercy of God, all the blessings of God, being that tree that's planted by the waters. In Psalm 1, the same imagery is used of that. Uh, We sing in the hymn, uh, like a tree that's planted by the water, I shall not be moved. Uh, We'll be secure. Uh, We'll be a blessing. We'll be fruitful season after season because we're watered by the waters of life from the Lord through Jesus Christ. So peace and mercy be upon them. So the great uh, thing that uh, the Jews wanted, uh, peace or shalom in Hebrew, and, and mercy, the great promise of the covenant, that God would be merciful to their iniquities. Remember their sins no more, that he would have loving kindness and mercy. This is on those who walk by his rule. It's very Jewish language there. It's a fulfillment of all the Jewish hopes. And it's no accident that Paul uses that language, the the hope of the Jews. Uh, Now, the Gentile word that we describe our blessings is, is the the word grace. That was the Gentile greeting and the Gentile desire to have uh, uh, a favor granted Well, here is mercy, and here is peace. And it comes upon, Paul says, upon the Israel of God. The Israel of God. Paul is talking to the church, the brethren, those who trust in Jesus Christ. The brethren are the Israel of God. They're the true Israel. There was always a distinction, uh, even in the Old Testament, of those who were Israel and really Israel. Uh, those who were there because they were just in on the family plan. Uh, they happened to have had the right parents. And so they, they were Jews in that sense. They had the right parents. But they were not Jews in the sense 
of a follower of God. Abraham was called a Hebrew. And there's a connection between the name Jew and Hebrew uh, and following of God. But some people, that connection was only tenuous. It was only a, a connection of an accident by birth. Uh, they wanted nothing of God, though they were of the descent of the chosen man until Christ should come. But now the church is the Israel of God. Romans 2, Paul said this, He is a Jew who is one inwardly, and the circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. So the real Jew, Romans 2.29, is the one who was inwardly circumcised. Or Jeremiah 4.4, 4. again, so much connection between Jeremiah tonight and the words here of Paul. But Paul, uh, Jeremiah said, you need to be circumcised in heart. Be circumcised of heart, Jeremiah 4.4. 4. Or there's a circumcision of heart and ears uh, in uh, the book of Ezekiel. And so be the true Israel. Who's the true Israel? Those who follow the Messiah those who follow the hope of Israel. What about these Gentiles who follow the Messiah? These Gentiles who follow the Messiah, they're Israel now. No, not by flesh. No, they don't bear that name as an ethnic group. No, they don't have uh, the descent uh, by the flesh, but they have it by the Spirit. And so those prophets of old, those are our prophets. That's our family now. Uh, we've been adopted into the family, uh, uh, those of us of uh, Gentile extraction. Uh, we've been adopted in the family by faith. Uh, we've been brought in, and those are our people now because we're the Israel of God. And so he's not a Jew who is one outwardly, but who is one inwardly. Uh, again, Romans 9, 6, another verse on this topic, that as many people who were Jewish were excluded from the promises that came through the Messiah, it said this, it's not as though the word of God failed. So what about all these promises to Israel? And so many Israelites are not getting them. So many Jews are outside the covenant, which was promised to the Jewish forefathers. What about that, Paul? He said, for they are not Israel, all Israel who are descended of Israel. So there was a true Israel in Israel. And then there was a whole bunch of people who were related to them by flesh. And so now those who are of true Israel, they would follow the Messiah. And so you wonder, what would those prophets have done if they lived in the time the Messiah came? Well, being faithful to God, they'd follow the Messiah, wouldn't they? What did the faithful God do? They follow the prophets. What was the Messiah, the great prophet? They'd follow the Messiah. They, they long for the Messiah. What would those Old Testament worthies have done in the time of Christ? Well, they'd have followed Christ. And as Paul writes to the churches in Galatia, what have a bunch of Gentiles done now too? They followed Christ. In following Christ, you become the true Israel of God. Now, I think it would be kind of silly if we adopted Hebrew dress and Hebrew names and Hebrew mannerisms and all these trappings of uh, physical Israel, or we tried to, uh, you know, make claims uh, that, uh, uh, you know, we should be called Israelites now and, and, and real Jews and they shouldn't. <laughs> now, that's not quite what Paul means here, but... And some have mistakenly done uh, some things like that, and it's not to their credit. Uh, but it, there is a truth here that the real Israel of God is the church, is those who trust in that Messiah that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose name was Israel. Those who follow them and are, are brought in by faith, they are the true Israel of God.
All right, with that then, Paul just gives a final exhortation. Verse 17, from now on, let no one trouble me. And it's interesting that this is, has to be a, a message given in the church to the church. Because certainly we know the Jews, they continue to hound and harangue Paul. Uh, they uh, cause him problems. When he goes to Jerusalem, they cause a riot trying to tear him limb from limb. They, uh, some of them take an oath they won't eat or drink until they put him to death. Uh, probably they end up violating that oath because they didn't successfully kill him. I doubt they starved themselves to death. But in any case, it's not to the Jews who would do those things of Acts uh, 21 and 24 and the like. Uh, This instruction is given because the Jews are going to do what the Jews are going to do. But this is an instruction in the church. These Judaizers had insinuated themselves in the church. Uh, We find out from the Corinthian letter they questioned often his apostolic authority. Certainly the Galatian letter also bears out. And he's telling the people in the church that they ought not trouble him as an apostle. He says, for I bear in my body the brand marks of Jesus. Interesting argument here. Paul says, I literally have scars. I literally am scarred up. I have marks on my body because I'm a disciple, because I'm a follower of Jesus. I taught Jesus and I got persecuted. Remember the time that Paul was stoned until they thought he was dead? Remember the time that Paul got shipwrecked? Uh, well, which one of those? There's, there's, there's several. Uh, remember the time that uh, Paul was beaten with rods? Remember the time that Paul was beaten with uh, a whip? Remember the time he was thrown in prison and he was chained in stocks? Remember all of these things of which the, the, the jailer, as soon as he recognized the things of Christ, He stopped inflicting any pain on Paul, and he started to tend to his wounds, right? He washed his wounds in the same hour of the night in which he was baptized. And so when one truly follows Christ, you don't inflict suffering and uh, uh, troubles on other followers of Christ. You, You tend to their wounds. You help them. And so there were these people in the churches of Galatia who were troubling Paul, and they didn't realize who it was they were troubling, I don't think. They didn't realize Paul's position. They didn't realize theirs. Hopefully through this letter and the theological explanations of what was done in Christ, what the the real position uh, and use of the law was, uh, what the real meaning of faith in Christ was, and the real blessings there. Hopefully they'd recognize this truth and this grace that Paul was preaching, and they would no longer bother Paul. The brethren wouldn't bother him anymore. And so sometimes uh, we get a, a little irked by the brethren. Uh, we get uh, we get a little troubled by them. Uh, sometimes it's it's our own sensitivity. There really wasn't much there, but we took it wrong, uh, and the like. But here we know that Paul doesn't give on give up on the church, because some in the church trouble him. And he says, "Look, I've got the marks of Christ." He tell the Corinthians, "We we we bear the dying of Jesus bodily uh, daily." And so uh, I don't think these Judaizers took this because they didn't like his message and they still would trouble him, but they shouldn't have. Uh, but the, any brethren who were wavering, any brethren who were thinking, man, all those Judaizers, guys, these guys teaching the law, these guys with the, on the circumcision side of this argument, you know, maybe there's something to that. Um, no, there's nothing to that. There should be no sympathy for that. There should be great sympathy and help for the side that Paul is on because it's the side of grace.
and the side of faith. And so then, the closing words of the letter, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. And so he's praying for all the brethren, for those that he's hoping by this letter to strengthen, those few that maybe even were on the other side that from this would would be converted again and be more fully and truly converted to Christ. But we had in verse uh, uh, let's see, 16, we had peace and mercy. And now in verse 18, we have grace. And so peace and mercy and grace, where are those? They're in Christ, so they're for the brethren. Those are the blessings that we have in Christ. And that's how the apostle uh, wishes uh, that they would conduct themselves and under what uh, operating conditions, the conditions of peace and mercy and grace. And <laughs> don't we need those? Well, we know where they're found. They're found in the trust and faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Malvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at malvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.